0: Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Holman Park Baptist Church. We're going to be looking in the next two weeks about God's mysterious plan out of Ephesians 3. And I was afraid Ellen in her class was going to steal my thunder, because when I walked in today, she was talking about the same thing. And so it just must be God, right? Uh, When our Bible study classes are talking about The same thing that we're preaching about. But uh, let's pray. God, thank you so much for our service to this point, Lord. And Lord, uh, you are the resurrected King. Lord, let us never lose sight of that power. We serve a risen majesty. All other gods and cult leaders, they're dead and they're in the ground. But you, you rose from the grave. And it is that power that gives us hope today. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. There is no question that we live in a world that is divided today. The me first mentality has moved our culture into groups and cliques of people that they will all want the same things for themselves. You see it in the news. You see it uh, in your social circles. You see it. They become cliques and they become people who want the same things and some see it firsthand. Maybe some of you have been shunned by someone or maybe unwelcomed or or maybe if you do not agree with the mainstream ideas that are out there, you are seen as someone who is unenlightened or intolerant or uh, racist or whatever it may be that they're using these days or foolish I can remember that type of atmosphere when I went to middle school and high school. Never did I dream when I was in middle school and high school that everybody would grow up, but it would still stay the same. Just the words hurt more and it becomes much meaner. But we do have a weapon against that. The greatest weapon and defense we have today in this world filled with hate is our love. That is the greatest weapon and the greatest defense that we have is our love, the love of believers, their love for God and their love for others. As it says here, our love for God and our love for others is our greatest weapon. And, you know, I admit that some people make it pretty difficult to love them, don't they? But that does not give us a pass to stop trying. If we are left to our own strength to love the unlovable we will not be able to do that. I've 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 heard it said before, I've even said it before. You know what? I don't like that person, but I love him because God has told me I need to. But the truth is is that we need to love because that is our greatest weapon. We are to love others with the love of Jesus because if we try to love people in our own strength, it is going to be self-centered and it is going to fall short every single time. However, the scripture today the Apostle Paul reveals a plan that was once a mystery to everybody. And on top of that, we are going to join together as a church and then strengthen our resolve and commitment to share that time of love. Now, how many of y'all remember the game Red Rover? Red Rover, Red Rover, send somebody right over you. Uh, I remember that game well. Uh, you would form two separate lines about 20 feet from one another. And with clenched white knuckled fists, your team would decide to call over one person from the other team to break the chain. And <clears throat> I was a poorly little kid, so I rarely got called, you know, because they thought the, the big kids like the big marble when you used to play marbles. Nobody ever wanted to send James over every now and then when they got cocky. But the thing is, is that y'all remember playing that, don't you? When, when you felt somebody or when you saw somebody coming towards you and you're like, which which gap are they going to pick? What are they thinking? The person running is going, where's the weakest link? And then everybody here is going, I wonder if he's going to choose me. And then when there's that, that split second to where the runner commits and then the people with the chain, they, I mean, it is just almost breaking each other's hand to keep them from. Breaking apart. And then sometimes they'll make it through. But sometimes what's really cool is when that person tries to make it through and they don't because the chain has held. And the thing is, is that that's how I see the church today. And I believe that's how Paul saw the church. As in a big old game of Red Rover, we're the ones that are holding hands while the church is coming under attack. We need to love the unlovable We need to fend off the attacks of evil, and we need to do that hand in hand. We need that kind of love and support. So does the world that God has placed us in. So how does this mystery work that we're talking about? Well, the first thing that we see in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, is that we need to embrace your current situation as a platform for God to use. Boy, that is a mouthful. Embrace your current situation as a platform for God to use. Do you have a perfect life right now? I don't think anybody would say you do. Nobody has a perfect life. There's always one thing that we need. Always something that we are searching for. Always this hang up that we have. And that's what makes us human. But that also what makes the church so cool is that we are a group of people that have hang ups that strengthen one another. And so we need to not look at shame Or not look at we are less than because we have a current situation that might not be the best situation, but use it as a platform. Notice what Paul says here. He says in verse one, when I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles. Assuming, by the way, that, you know, God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. He was writing to the church of Ephesus. And as I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. What we see here in verses 1 and 2 is that Paul's imprisonment was his platform for his message. He was writing while he was under arrest, and so to be a Roman prisoner in that day was to be wearing a badge of shame. But there was no shame among Paul. Like many writers of his day, Paul included in the letter that he was a prisoner to kind of give some emphasis to the people that were reading it, the stuff that he was going through, so that they could have the privilege of being able to read that letter. Paul told them that his imprisonment was a benefit to them. That was another way of saying that would be, I am taking one for the team. I am in jail for preaching the gospel so you don't have to be. And he was in the prison for the very thing he was encouraging them to do was to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Now, the Jews, they not pursued, but they pressured Rome to arrest Paul because he was getting too much traction. Just like Jesus, he was preaching a gospel that said, you don't have to be Jewish to be a Christian. All of a sudden, the Jews and their their, their power plays and their religious requirements of circumcision and other things were being told that is not necessary for salvation. And they wanted to shut Paul up. And that's where that's why Jesus was crucified. That's why Paul is in prison. It's because they were losing the fact that you are saved, not by what you do, not by your church attendance, not by how many Christian songs, you know, not by how many Christian T-shirts you have in your drawers. You are saved by the grace of God alone, by having faith in Christ alone. And we see here that everyone has a story. Folks, you may think that you are in no place to tell anyone about Jesus. But is that really true? Everyone has a story to tell. Either how they found Jesus or how they're searching for Jesus. Or maybe even their story is, I'm not even looking for him because I don't believe in him. Everyone has a story. And you can use your current situation to share the gospel. If it's painful, if you're in a painful situation, you can share how Jesus helps you to heal. If you are in a financial situation, you can talk about how Jesus provides. If you are in an emotional situation, you can tell how Jesus Brings peace. No matter where you are, if you are not in the perfect of situations, you are right in the middle of where God wants you to be. Because here's the thing. Every one of you in here, no matter who you are, no matter what age you are, your story is influencing someone else. Just like Paul's story is influencing the Ephesians in this letter. If others are ignoring you or making you feel less than because of your faith in Christ, you are in good company. Because you, your stand is helping someone else, just like Paul that was encouraging the Ephesians. I remember in high school, I remember that I, in my senior year, I wanted to, to live it up with, with my friends. And I never did what they did, but I was at the same places until finally God convicted me and said, Look, you you don't need to be there. So I stepped back. And it was tough. I was no longer... Part of the crew, part of the crowd. I wasn't getting the phone calls. Thank God we didn't have Facebook back then. But the thing is, is that I was out of the circle. But what I found out was people in the circle started coming to me because they saw a difference. And I'm not tooting my horn. It was tough. It was hard. But God used that. in you, in your situation, it may be tough and it may be hard. Maybe your situation is all you got through the week are lunch dates and hospital visits and doctor visits. But even in the waiting room, or with your doctors, or with your waiters, waitresses, you can use your story for His glory. Because your story will influence someone. And then we see that Paul takes a moment in verse 2 to kind of move off topic. He'll get back on it in verse 14, but we'll talk about that next week. So here in verses 3-5, through God reveals His mysterious plan. How many of y'all remember Scooby-Doo? Man, hey, that's spiritual right there. Zoinks. Yep, there was Scooby and Shaggy and his whole crew. And it was a cartoon. I couldn't believe this when I read it. It started in 1969, the year I was born, is when Scooby started. So I guess it was a good year for both of us. But the thing is, is that they would get together, and it doesn't matter where they were going, they would always end up in the middle of a What? A mystery. Matter of fact, they had plastered on their van the mystery machine. And so they would go through all of this. And then finally, at the end of the episode, they would reveal who was the culprit. And what would the villain say every single time? I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids. And then the mystery was solved and and everything was back to normal until next week when you turned in again. This is not the type of mystery that Paul is talking about. This is not the boo hooga booga kind of mystery, the the, the the spooky kind of things that he's talking about. When it says it's a mystery, the type of mystery Paul is addressing is not something to be solved, but something that it has been revealed. The word mystery here does not mean that some problem that you have to crack. The mysterious plan here means the plan has always been in place from The moment of time where God first spoke this universe into existence. God always had this in plan and now it's time to be revealed. So. What is that? That mystery is the church, the church, the church from the beginning of time has been part of God's plan, just as choosing the Israelites to be His chosen people, just as bringing the Messiah into this world, just like bringing the Holy Spirit into this world to start the church, we are part of His plan. And then we see that it's time to rally around the gospel. In verses 6-9 through it says, And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. Though I am least deserving of God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege Of telling everyone the mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. So again, before the universe was in existence, before God spoke it into existence, God planned for his church to be part of the plan. So what that means really is that you being here today is just as important as Jesus coming to this earth and dying for our sins. You being in the church is part of God's plan. Paul was using this message to bring these people together. We've got racism today. There's no doubt about that. But there was racism back in this day when this was written. There were Jews and Gentiles and it was, people were killing each other for that. But folks, we see here because of the gospel, the color of our skin doesn't matter. The words that come of our, out of our mouth don't matter. The only thing that matters is our belief in Jesus Christ and by receiving his grace alone. And if you don't believe that this was always part of God's plan, let me show you a prophetic verse out of Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6. It says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles and you will bring my salvation To the ends of the earth. So he is making us a light to the Gentiles. A Gentile is another way of saying somebody that's not a Jew, which is predominantly probably most people in here. We are here because of what Paul is writing about today. And you have the opportunity to spread the gospel or the good news because by his great grace and by his power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. That is what Paul says. And so if God gives you the opportunity to share your faith, he will also give you the ability to do it. So many people stay cowered down and they never step up because they always are fearful that they might say the wrong thing or someone might. Criticize them, even worse, tell them they're wrong, and they won't know what to say. But my friends, let me tell you what: if it's your story, you're the expert on it. No one can tell somebody that you're wrong for what you have experienced. Now, I know a couple of the guys over here working body shops. I don't know anything about body shop. All I know of is dented. I need it fixed, and so y'all will know how to. Uh, you know, I can, I can watch enough uh, TV shows, Monkey, and all that kind of stuff. I can be an expert in about five minutes with YouTube, right? No, if if I got a if I got a, something that's messed up on my car, I take it to somebody who knows something. I'm not going to tell them that they're wrong because they work in a body shop, and I, I've seen an episode of Fast and Loud. Folks, people, even though if they do criticize you, it doesn't matter. You are the experts of your story. Your story with Jesus for God's glory. Just as a coach corrects an athlete to make them better, they do it because they care for that athlete and they want to win. But sometimes the athlete appreciates those corrections and sometimes they don't. But if they see results, they will always appreciate the time that was spent on him. And here's the thing. God has called us to communicate his mysteries that others cannot see. Washington is lost, folks. Anderson is lost. Spartanburg, Greenville, California... Mumbai, everywhere, there are lost people everywhere and they don't see the plan because they haven't had it revealed to them. Do you real, realize how fortunate you are that the plan has been revealed to you? It would be no different than if you found the greatest treasure in the world because you have found the secret to eternal life. And we throw it in our pocket and pull it out every now and then when we need it. And it's the greatest gift that we've ever been given. We need people to encourage us and to correct us, just like others need the same from us. And so this is where the next part of the plan comes in. The concept was not revealed in the Old Testament. We didn't see the forming of the church until Jesus' ascension and the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came down to be with us. This does not mean the church was not part of God's original plan. We see in verses 10 through 13 that the purpose of the church is to unite and strengthen believers. Look at verse 10. It says God's purpose in all this. That would be like if you're with a teacher and the teacher says this may be on the test. This is the main verse that kind of holds all this together. It says, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety and all the unseen rulers and authorities of the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. We see that the church is part of God's eternal plan and as a church, we must display his wisdom. There was a, a Christian artist that was talking about, and he was, he's the artist of a really well-known Christian band, and, and he was talking about his struggles with marriage and touring and, and all that kind of stuff. And ironically, he said, you know, when you're in those type of ministries, you don't have a whole lot of time to be in the church, but yet you're doing Christian things. And he was talking about that he and his wife had started getting into a church, and, and this is what he says. I thought it was pretty cool. He says, church is about people coming together that are tethered together. People who are disciples, who are being discipled and making disciples, coming together to worship God. It's not about the trends. They all pass away. It's about sticking with people the rest of your life, no matter what, and love them out of reverence for our creator, Folks, if we took a vision from what he was saying and we understood that church is not about attendance and making us feel good, but about Red Rover and about getting hand in hand and holding one another, regardless of what they've been through, regardless of what they've gone through or regardless of what they're putting you through, but to gather around one another and hold one another and encourage one another and build up one another, no matter what has happened, you couldn't fit enough people in here that would Would want that kind of church. That is what Paul is establishing. That is what we should be. We are not a museum for the saints, but we are a hospital for the sinners. That is what we should be. And if you think you are perfect, then I'll invite you to walk out now because you are in the wrong place. We need to be confident in being the church. As it says in 12 and 13, because Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently before God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should be honored. Folks, attending church is a privilege, not some religious act. Together, we can boldly approach God's throne on our own and together and to encourage one another i tell you what, if, if you go back and you look at the Old Testament, if you remember, you couldn't get in God's presence. The closest you could get was to bring an animal to be sacrificed, and then a priest would have to go into the Holy of Holies to intercede for you. And if there was any sin in that priest, that priest would die immediately, and they would pull him out with a rope that was tied around his foot. That's how holy God is. But because of Jesus Christ... We can approach him. And because of the church, we can approach him together. And we can bring people to him because we are part of his plan. We need to appreciate the suffering that has gone in for our faith. You see, Paul encourages the Ephesians not to lose heart because of his trials. If Paul had not been placed in jail... The Ephesians would not have heard the good news and been converted. I think of some of the things I've gone through in my life. And I know now, in hindsight, that people would not have been impacted as much if I hadn't gone through that. Does that make it enjoyable? No. But it gives you purpose for your pain. Nothing happens in your life that God cannot use for his glory and if it can bring some purpose to your pain that's what being part of the church is and the thing is is that just as Paul was being imprisoned for his faith folks there are people being imprisoned and killed today there are families that are shunning their family members that reject the false religions and become Christians there are martyrs that are dying every day because they confess Jesus Christ as their Savior. And it is their suffering that we benefit from. And you and I are invited to join God's mysterious plan. You and I are here this morning due to the blessings of God and the steadfast stand of those generations that have gone before us. By sitting in these pews. by conditioning and by being able to meet in this community this way we do it by those that have gone before us and built this place and grew in this place and prayed for this place and some have passed on and some are still doing it today but they won't be here forever we need to keep that up god planned from the beginning of time to unite all who would believe in jesus as their ultimate forgiver and leader of life. And Paul teaches the specific purpose God has for us. So what is our motivating factor? Our motivating factor is love. Love is a motivating force for showing grace to others. Now, I will, I will see sometimes I'll see people out or I'll go on uh, visits where people have been sick and haven't been coming to church. And the first thing I get, they get out of their mouth, preacher, I'm sorry for not coming to church. And hey, that's okay. I, I understand that people can't come here every time the doors are open. We don't—if you haven't noticed—we don't take attendance. All right, we don't give attendance pins, and that's okay. But you're here, and if we tell you that we missed you at church, it's not because we're trying to put you on a guilt trip. It's because we love you. That's what our loving church is supposed to do. Love is a motivating force for showing grace to others. And my friends, if you come in this door, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to dress perfectly. You don't have to have all your stuff together. Matter of fact, if you don't have all your stuff together, you can come join me on the pulpit because I don't either. But we come together and we love God and we love one another whether we have 50 or 5,000 in our worship service, you will see the love of Christ for one another without judgment because that is what God has called us to do. We need to have a love for God and love for others. Not a love based on what someone gives us, but what Jesus has given to us. Not a love that sacrifices or takes. Not a love that destroys, but builds. And a love that is based on commitment and not a fleeting moment so to be a part of god's mysterious plan that has been revealed to us is called the church and it takes more than just a casual commitment there's a difference between attending church and being a part of the church and i think you know what the difference is this message was not for church attenders it was for church and his invitation to you and to me Is to join in that because church for you will never produce a foundation for a deep, meaningful relationships until you are ready to love, commit and invest. And so like a relationship, you'll get out of church what you put into it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, right before we take the Lord's Supper, we're going to have an invitation here, Lord. And Lord, we have seen your mysterious plan revealed And Lord, it is my prayer that if there is anyone here today that wants to know you as their Savior and Lord, that that they've heard this talk about having their life not all together, but that you can piece it together. That, Lord, they can receive forgiveness from you, Lord. It is my prayer that, Lord, you would move in their lives. That they would come forward and know you as their Savior and Lord. Because we're not supposed to take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, Lord. So I pray for that. If someone needs to come to know you, Someone would like to join this church or to be baptized or just come to the altar and pray. May you lead this time.